So Money Episode 527, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. It's Friday. It's Ask Farnoosh time. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, joined, as always, by the lovely Sophia. Welcome, Sophia. Thank you. What are your weekend plans? Anything fun? It's the 28th. It's the last weekend in January. I know. I can't believe it. January flew by, but nothing exciting planned for the weekend, unfortunately. (laughs) Did you have any New Year's resolutions that you have since abandoned? (laughs) So far, I have to give myself some credit. I'm sticking to my, my New Year's resolution. I joined a gym because I said no more pricey workout classes. You did? I did. So I joined a gym. Ladies and gentlemen, this is huge because Sophia is <laughs> a soul cycle fanatic and those are not cheap. No, sessions. no. So I said, I'm starting off, you know, they say to start off very realistic with your goals. So I'm not cutting soul cycle out cold turkey. I'm treating myself to maybe like one or two classes a month. But my goal by the end of the year is to just cut it out entirely. So I'm slowly but surely working my way there. Really? Do they have cool bikes at your gym that you feel like you could replicate that workout if you wanted? Maybe. I've, you know, I've also committed to running more this year. So that's been my focus right now is running. I eventually would love to make it to a half marathon. So yeah, baby. Yeah, I've been focusing on that. So I'll keep you posted on my progress. Well, you know, that's kind of I have a few mom friends that are pregnant right now. We were having breakfast the other day and I was like, call me crazy, but I kind of think I might apply for the Brooklyn Half Marathon in October. And they looked at me and like I was a monster alien. Like they didn't recognize me. They're like, what? A half marathon this year? But I said, I need something to like a carrot, you know, to get me motivated and off my butt to to take the right measures after this baby is born to, you know, get back in shape and eat well and get you know, just, I like having a goal. And I did do a half marathon once when I was your age, which is a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So no. And I feel like saying it on the podcast too is holding me even more accountable. So <laughs> y'all so this keep is good. Me accountable. <laughs> I am, I'm hesitating to really say I'm doing this half marathon in Brooklyn, but I think you have to qualify too, which in that case I will not qualify, but <laughs> I want to do something big this year physically Obviously, delivering a baby it will count as something, but you know what I mean. Definitely. All right. Enough about that. Welcome to February almost. By the way, February is my birthday month. Woohoo. Just throwing it out there. Just an fun fact. <laughs> if you like to do anything with that information, feel free. We have a question here from James, right? And he's got some student loans and he's going to get some uh, – more loans as he goes into grad school. He's just wondering, what the heck should I do, right? Yeah. So right now he has 35000 from his undergraduate schooling, and the graduate schooling is going to cost him about 30000 And he was able to defer his undergraduate loans until July of this year. So he's also starting to work full-time right now in his career, and he wants to know if you think it's smart to start paying off those undergraduate loans now, specifically those subsidized ones, if his budget allows him to, or should he just start saving the money now and pay them off later? 
he needs to know himself, you know, like, is he the kind of person that when you say to yourself, I'll do something later, it really means never or a lot later. I think if you have the financial capacity now, James, to do this, it's not going to compromise your finances and you can afford it and you want to do it then I think you know what you got to do. You should do it as as soon as possible. I mean, the thing is, the interest rate's probably not super high. I want to make sure that also you are saving your own money on the side, that you are also taking care of credit card debt. Hopefully that's off the off the table. You know, there are some things that might take priority, I would say, things like credit card debt, your own personal savings, retirement, et cetera. But if you've got those buckets filled and you do have some money left to address these loans sooner than later, then address them. You got my blessing, James. And good luck with grad school. Good luck. I'm glad to hear you're working as well. Hopefully, maybe you can use that income to save more aggressively between now and your grad school enrollment so that when you do graduate from grad school, you can start paying off those loans very quickly. So congrats and keep us posted. All right. That was that was an easy one. Thank <laughs> Hopefully I'm right. <laughs> our, uh, our next one hopefully should be relatively easy as well. Katie is right now living with her fiance and her 21-month-old son, and they have limited debt in the form of auto and student loans. And her fiance is paying into his 401k through his employer, but Katie is 28. She only works part-time, and she does not have any retirement and she only has limited savings. So she wants to start contributing to some sort of retirement vehicle, but her fiance feels like his 401k is enough for the both of them, but she wants to know what her options are for starting some sort of Mm. retirement option. I'm so skeptical when people are like, you can just piggyback on my 401k. I was going to say, that's what I don't like about this. I think she It's a nice gesture. It's a nice thought. It is. yeah, but realistically, even even if they stay together through the rest of their lives, and I hope they do, and he ends up, you know, having that four hundred one k, and it's ample. But she'll need something of her own, and she should have her own retirement, definitely. And I think you know, easily she could open up a Roth IRA. She could open up a traditional IRA. Both of those vehicles are great, depending on just you know what kind of tax incentive you're looking for. As you know, the Roth IRA, you do not get the tax deduction today. Those contributions do not lower your taxable income today. But when you go to pull that money from during your retirement, you do get to pull that money tax-free. So that's a benefit. With a traditional IRA, you get to lower your taxable income today with that contribution and the limit. This year is $5,500. So start there, I'd say, Katie. And you know, hope for the best with this relationship and this 401k that your significant other has. But you should do the most you can, the best you can to secure your own retirement. I think, you know, if Sally, I'm channeling Sally Krawcheck here. (laughs) She, of course, is a staunch advocate for, and she's been on the show and she's the founder of Elevest and she's a Wall Street veteran. And her whole mission right now is to narrow the investing gap for women. And if she heard your question, she would probably like have a heart attack. She, (laughs) I think she would also agree that you need to have your retirement account regardless of of how how big and robust your partner's 401k is, um, there's no guarantee you're going to get any of that, right? So do the best that you can, get that Roth IRA going, maybe a traditional IRA, and start there. Rosa has a question about buying a car out of state and wants to know if she can curb some taxes in doing so. 
Yeah, so she's looking to buy her next car out of state because she wants to avoid those higher taxes. And she says, for instance, buying a car outside of Illinois, but then registering it in Illinois, is it going to make any difference? So according to the DMV, we looked into this for you because we wanted to be 110% sure. And according to the DMV, as well as some other trusted websites like admins.com, which I, I love them. They're, they just have great research. They state very bluntly that you have to pay the tax wherever you register that vehicle. So if it's in your home state, you pay your home state's tax. There's no way to not pay tax or pay less tax just because you bought the car in a state that had different tax rules. So that's a bummer perhaps, you know, but just, I think that's a big misnomer. I think that's like, we think, you know, sometimes people buy clothing in another state and they don't pay sales tax on that because there was no sales tax in that state, but you know, cars are different. And it's also going to be different whether you're buying from a dealership or you're buying from a private seller. So if you buy a car at an out-of-state dealership, the dealer usually handles all the title and registration paperwork for you. You'll need to take that title and register the vehicle in your home when you get back. But if you're buying it from a private seller, then you'll need to handle the title and registration paperwork on your own. I would also say if you're buying the car in, a, in another state, you want to get it inspected and make sure that it's has it's up to snuff for the standards that your state requires, right? So just be careful about that. I had a bad experience myself of buying a car from my dad in California, where not to his fault, but the car was kind of a lemon, dad. And he had driven it for a long time. And I guess the warranty ran out and he never really really felt the the financial toll of, of carrying that car around because gosh when I by the time I got it it needed a lot of work I had to get all new tires you know the air pressure is different here than in New York than it is in California so as soon as it got here all the tires blew out <laughs> and also he had tints on the car windows which in New York is illegal to a certain extent uh-uh. so it had tints removed I got pulled over like three times because cops were like why have tints and I was like well in California you you know, with UV rays, most cars have a high level of, they, they, they tint their windows. It's not because they're trying to be stylish or like, you know, cool. It's just because it's actually a risk, a health risk. So here, unless I think you are a, like a taxi or a limousine, you can't tint your car windows and it's very expensive. It's like $80 fine for every window. Anyway, long story short, just get the car inspected. Unfortunately, you can't curb the sales tax, but you might be able to get a better deal just because you are casting a wide net here. And if you find a great deal in another state, go for it, but just be aware of the tax implications and good luck to you. All right, two more questions. I love this next one because it comes from a fellow <laughs> Penn Stater. Yes, Alex. And he says, my wife and I have a budget that we strive to keep every month, but it always seems to get derailed by some sort of unavoidable expense, whether it's a vet bill, dental work, or car maintenance. So he says that they have the savings to cover these expenses thanks to their emergency fund. But every time he's tapping into it, he feels like a failure because he's getting this notification telling him that he's going over his budget, even though he already knows it. So he wants to know what your thoughts on this are. All right. First of all, you're not a failure. That's what an emergency fund is for, right? You are using it correctly and responsibly. 
And thank God it's there because if you didn't have it, you'd be more and more into debt. So feel good about that. Don't feel bad about yourself. Um, you guys are doing the right thing. As far as, you know, stopping this feeling of defeat every time Mint sends you a an alert because you're quote unquote going over budget, turn off the alerts, you know, or increase the limits on these budgets so that, you know, while Mint while maybe that's not really how much you're going to spend in those categories, that increase isn't really going to be reflected in your actual spending. It will sort of diminish the chances that Mint will alert you to the fact that you're overspending. It's, you know, technology is not perfect. I don't know if there's a way to adjust that on Mint. And so either turn off the notifications or adjust your budgets upwardly on Mint so that, you know, it just doesn't keep bothering you. But you should know yourself. And I'm telling you this too, you're doing the right thing and don't feel less than just because of an alert, you know, you're doing great. And I'm really happy to hear that you have this emergency fund. You're using it appropriately. That's what it's for. You're a living, breathing example of, you know, why it's important to have an emergency fund and go state. (laughs) Those are actual, you know, reasons to pull from your emergency fund. It's not like, you know, yeah, he's trying to go on a shopping spree. It's like, oh, I'm not need- buying uh, <laughs> season tickets to the football. Yeah, exactly. Like, I need season. those football tickets. <laughs> right, right. Which we had a great year this year. This would have been a great year to have season tickets. But uh, last question is from Tori. What does she want to know? So she found out that she's going to inherit a trust fund sometime this year. And right now, her dream is to start her own business. She doesn't say what she'd be doing, but. She also has some student loan debt and a car loan, and she's starting grad school this month. So that student loan debt is only going to continue to grow this year. So she wants to know what she should do because this trust fund is big enough to pay off most of her debt or start a business. She can't do both. So she's not sure how to choose what to do. Right. Hmm. What to do? What What would you say to her? I think the debt's got to go. I, you know, I agree because maybe Gary Vaynerchuk would disagree. <laughs> when you're starting a business too, there might be some unforeseen costs that, you know, obviously you're, you're trying to make money when you start a business and hopefully you make money that you can then pour back into the business. But personally, for me, I'd have to get rid of that debt first. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing, right? It's just, as much as this is like a technical question, you know, student loans probably have interest and it's probably a lot of debt. So just having that off your plate will financially be great. But emotionally too, it could be the right way to go. Because if you, knowing myself and it sounds like Sophia, you're similar, I think a lot of people would relate. Like when you're taking on a huge endeavor, like starting a business where, like you said, Sophia, there's a lot of uncertainty around that financial uncertainty, knowing that you can at least have some financial runway to take on some risk and make some mistakes and try things and fail. You'll feel better doing that and feel more confident in pursuing the business. I think if you don't have all this debt that's haunting you and keeping you up at night. So I would say to the best of your ability, use that trust fund to eliminate as much of that debt as possible. Maybe I would start with the car loan, actually, if that has a higher interest rate and it's a depreciating asset. So start with the car loan and then tackle the student loans. You may not have enough to go around, but do maximize that trust fund to start your life debt-free as soon as possible. 
and it'll just mean you'll have less debt in the future, right? And less to worry about. And you can focus more on the more important things like starting your business. And these are the best questions. I mean, just the questions just keep getting better and better and better. Thank you so much, Tori. Good luck with your business. And if you have, I'm sure you'll have questions along the way. You know where to find us. Alex, love hearing from my fellow Penn Staters. Good luck with the marriage and the budget and Mint. It's all working out, I think. And Rosa, Katie, James, and Sophia, thank you so much. Of course. Remember, you can always send me your questions. Just go over to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask for News. You can also send me a voicemail. And we look forward to tackling as many of your questions in the future. Happy last weekend in January. See you right back here on Monday. In the meantime, I hope your weekend is so money. Money.